If the thought of your baby transitioning from drinking milk to feeding themselves a banana freaks you out, know that you are not alone. Take a deep breath and keep on listening because in this episode, I'm going to talk about the most current research we have supporting the safety of baby-led weaning, as well as I'll give you seven ways you can reduce your child's risk for choking. I guarantee by the end of this episode, you will feel much more confident and at ease about starting baby-led weaning safely. Hello and welcome to Thriving Foundations Podcast, where we talk all about nourishing your little one from their very first bite and beyond. If you're a holistic, crunchy, or health-conscious mama, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Alyssa, and like you, I'm blessed to be a mother, but I also happen to be a licensed pharmacist who's obsessed with all things natural and holistic. That's right. I'm a crunchy pharmacist, and I've made it my mission to help you optimize the health and development of your little one through protective nourishment so they can grow into their happiest, healthiest, strongest, and smartest self. So if you're hungry for more, let's dive in. Hey, stranger. If you've been following these episodes in real time, you might be wondering where the heck I've been, where I went, and why I haven't released any episodes during the past three months. Well, we actually found out during this chaotically wonderful season of life that we are expecting our second child. So yes, I am alive literally, but not figuratively. (laughs) Joking, but the past few months... I felt like I was just in survival mode during the first trimester. I'm almost 18 weeks, and I really didn't have much nausea with my first pregnancy, but with this one, it was all-day nausea, and the exhaustion on top of it was quite debilitating. I actually told my husband one morning before leaving for work that I legitimately felt like I was going to die that day of exhaustion, and and I know that sounds dramatic, <laughs> But if you've been there, you'll understand. And if you're currently struggling with any of these wonderful pregnancy blessings, I feel you. Needless to say, with working full time and chasing my toddler around, recording podcasts kind of took a little bit of a back burner for a while. But I'm feeling so much better now. You almost forget what feeling normal is like until second trimester hits. And so I'm feeling much, much better. And after receiving a few amazing messages and recently receiving a new review on the podcast, it was just the motivation that I needed to get back to recording. So I just want to give a listener shout out to Jamens, who wrote, start from episode one. I'm a first time mom, and this is a great podcast to learn about introducing foods to my baby. I didn't know where to start and feel a lot more confident even after a few episodes. They are the perfect length for busy seasons, and it's all the research I wish I had time to do smashed into this podcast. I only wish there were even more to listen to. Well, J-Mems, your review was just the motivation I needed to dust off my mic and get back to recording. So thank you so much for taking the time to leave that thoughtful review. And that is my whole goal with this podcast, to inspire you to feel more confident about baby led weaning and nourishing your little one. All right, so let's dive in. In episode three, I talked about five ways that baby led weaning can help to build strong foundations for your little one. 
If you're new to the whole baby-led weaning world, you might be thinking, well, this sounds great, but is it safe? This was actually the number one question that I had when I started to learn more about introducing solids. And this is one of the main concerns that a lot of parents and especially pediatricians often have with baby-led weaning. Feeding purees by spoon is the more traditional method for introducing solids. And this is the method that many, if not most, of pediatricians do still recommend. And I think there's two reasons for this. The first reason is they likely are not taught much about this in school, simply because, well, we're taught very little about nutrition and feeding. So unless a provider has personal interest or experience in baby-led weaning or infant and child development, they might be more likely to fall back on the more traditional method of spoon feeding. And additionally, baby-led weaning is not mentioned in some of the major health organizations' guidelines, and most providers practice within these guidelines, and therefore they likely will not recommend something that falls outside of that. And the second reason that I think most pediatricians do still recommend spoon feeding is I would venture to guess that most simply are not up to date with the most current research. I think that unless someone is aware of the current research and the actual evidence available, it's easy to make the assumption that baby lead weaning is dangerous and poses an increased risk for choking. But is that true? So that's what we are going to talk about in this episode. So the first part of this episode, I'm going to share with you the current research and studies that have actually sought to examine the safety of baby lead weaning compared to traditional spoon feeding. And these are studies that are published in reputable journals. And for those of you who are nerds like myself, I will link the studies that I refer to in the show notes. But keep in mind that they are the most up-to-date as of this recording, which is in 2021. So if you're listening 10 years from now, know that this episode might not be the most relevant. But at that time, hopefully I will have recorded a new one. And then I will close the episode by giving you seven practical ways that you can reduce your child's risk for choking. All right. So I personally love to nerd out when it comes to research, but I recognize that not everyone shares that same enthusiasm. I am an Enneagram one. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but I am all about learning as much as I can and the downfall being perfectionism and trying to understand and learn everything to the point of feeling analysis paralysis. So I will try to explain the studies in a simple way that is not overwhelming and complicated. So if you are an Enneagram one and you feel me, then maybe you will love this and you'll likely go read all the studies and want to learn as much as you can. So there are two studies that I will touch on that I believe provide some of the strongest evidence today on the safety of baby led weaning. Now, one thing to consider for most of these studies is the quality of evidence really is going to be limited, and that's just due to how the studies are designed and the fact that most of the data is self-reported. But nevertheless, we can still use the information and the data to begin to draw conclusions and understand more about the safety of baby lead weaning. So as I mentioned, there are two studies. The first one is a systematic review that was published in 2018 by the Italian Journal of Pediatrics. And if you're not familiar with what a systematic review is, 
It's basically a review of multiple studies, hence the name, done to evaluate all available evidence on a topic in order to draw conclusions. So in this case, the safety of baby led weaning among other things. So this review found that across multiple studies, and I believe they ended up looking at 12 studies in total, there appeared to be no difference in the choking rate among those doing baby led weaning compared to traditional weaning. Now, the study did look at a lot more than just choking, as I mentioned. It also looked at the risk for nutrient deficiencies, among other things. And I won't dive into this, but the data on this does suggest the importance of approaching baby led weaning with intention and introducing foods that provide the specific nutrients that your baby needs during this weaning period. So, that is the first study. Again, that's linked in the show notes if you want to read through it. The second study that I think is some of the best evidence that we have to date on baby led weaning is a randomized control trial titled A Baby Led Approach to Eating Solids and Risk of Choking. This was published in 2016 in the American Academy of Pediatrics official journal on pediatrics. And if you're not familiar with what a randomized controlled trial is, it's a study that basically randomizes people in this case babies or the families into one of two groups in order to study the differences between the groups. So these types of studies are considered the gold standard for quality. Now, while this was a randomized control trial, there are still limitations to this study specifically uh, because much of the data was self-reported, but it still does provide insight and a starting point to understand the risks of baby led weaning. So this study placed participants into one of two groups, one group being the control group and the other group being a modified approach to baby led weaning. And really what that means is they placed a heavy focus on educating parents in that group about which types of foods to feed in order to meet nutrient requirements and how to feed them safely. And it placed emphasis on avoiding foods that pose a higher choking risk. So this study was specifically designed to address the risk of choking as well as the risk for iron deficiency with baby lead weaning. So the results of the study are interesting. Overall, it found no differences in choking episodes between the two groups. But what is interesting is it found a higher occurrence of gagging in the baby lead weaning group at six months compared to the control group but lower rates of gagging at eight months. So this study suggests that baby led weaning doesn't pose a higher choking risk if foods are prepared and served safely according to the infant's development. The lower rates of gagging in the baby led weaning group at eight months might suggest that baby led weaning gives infants the opportunity to develop these oral motor skills needed to safely chew and swallow food sooner. So overall, the available evidence does seem to suggest that baby led weaning does not pose a higher risk of choking if you start only when your baby is showing all signs of readiness. And if precautions are taken to ensure that you are providing foods that pose a low choking risk. If you haven't listened to episode four yet, that episode will give you the confidence to know when your baby is ready to start baby led weaning. So check that out if you haven't listened yet. 
All right. So if you're still with me and you haven't fallen asleep yet, that wraps up the nerdy part of this episode. I recognize that not everyone is interested in the science, but I think it's important to talk about so you can confidently make an informed decision for your baby rather than doing something because someone on Instagram said that it's the thing to do and it's safe and they want you to buy their baby led weaning book. All right, now let's shift gears and briefly talk about practical ways that you can minimize your baby's risk for choking during and well beyond the baby led weaning phase. So I won't go into too much detail here because I could probably devote an entire episode to this topic. So I'll just give you the seven tips and then briefly talk about each one. So tip number one, make sure the foods that you are serving are the right size, shape, texture, and hardness. Tip number two, this one might sound surprising, but if your baby is gagging, do not reach in their mouth to attempt to get the food out. Tip number three, avoid feeding your little one while they're in a car seat or stroller, especially if you are driving or walking. Tip number four, never leave your little one alone while they're eating and always make sure that they're sitting upright straight. Tip number five, do not let your little one eat while they're running around or playing. Tip number six, check their mouth for food at the end of each meal. Tip number seven, take a CPR class and encourage anyone who is caring for your little one to also take a CPR class. And this one is important regardless of your child's age. So to just briefly touch upon each tip, for tip number one, making sure the foods that you are serving are the right size, shape, texture, and hardness, I feel like this comes uh, no surprise. We want to make sure that one, our little one can actually hold on to the food, and two, that they can safely eat it. So related to baby led weaning, you've probably seen the pictures of the pieces of food that are in kind of the long finger-like shape size, and that's exactly the size and the shape that you want. So about the size of a pinky, you want it that length so that your little one can hold on to the piece of food while also kind of gnawing on it, especially for early eaters when they're first starting, they're still using their entire hand to hold on to and grasp things. As your little one becomes a little older and their pincer grasp is starting to develop, that's when you can start to kind of cut the food into smaller size pieces so that they can practice that pincer grasp and be able to safely pick up those little pieces of food. And for the texture or the hardness, you want to make sure that you can safely squish the piece of food between the roof of your mouth and your tongue. So obviously, our little ones don't have teeth when they're first starting, or at least most babies don't have teeth when they're first starting to eat solids. And so they're really just using their tongue and their gums to kind of mash and manipulate that food. So we want to make sure that it is obviously soft enough so that they can do that and they can safely mash it down so that they can swallow it. So then of course we want to make sure that we are avoiding foods that pose a high risk of choking, foods that can easily become lodged in the throat. So foods like grapes and cherry tomatoes, for example, that are a perfect round circle. They can still be safe to eat, but you just want to make sure that you quarter them. So cut them in half and then cut the halves in half uh, so that they are uh, longer and more narrow pieces. Foods that are coin shaped. So if you're cutting a pickle, for example, 
or a string cheese. You don't want to cut it into coin-shaped pieces that could easily become lodged. You want to cut them into either the coin shape and then cut those in half or just longer narrow pieces. Uh, raw apples, even if they're sliced really, really small, they can still pose a choking risk. And then uh, foods like popcorn, generally I avoid or recommend avoiding that until your baby is a little bit older and they're more experienced at eating. So that's tip number one. Again, we could go way more into detail, but if you want to reduce your little one's risk of choking, being mindful about how to prepare foods and how they should be served to reduce their risk of choking. So tip number two, if your baby is gagging, do not reach in their mouth to attempt to get the food out. Like I said, that might seem surprising because I feel like it goes against our instincts as parents. If we see our little one gagging, we want to jump in and intervene. But gagging is actually a protective mechanism that is allowing your little one to push anything that's going back further in their mouth to the front of their mouth so they don't choke on it. So our babies have this wonderful reflex, especially when they're really, really little. If you put your finger in their mouth or you put anything in their mouth, their tongue thrusts forward, and that is how they protect themselves from choking if anything were to come into their mouth. So if your little one is gagging, by reaching in their mouth and attempting to remove the food, you could actually push the food back further, kind of past where they can gag to, to get that food out, and it could potentially cause them to choke. So if you're little one does happen to gag, which I will talk about this more in the next episode. Gagging is normal and most babies will do it when they first start eating. Just make sure they stay calm. I always remind it's okay. If they're coughing, that's great because then they're forcing the food out. So if they're coughing, gagging, trust that they can work that food forward and stay calm. Okay, tip number three, avoid feeding in a car seat or stroller. Now, I know this one is probably controversial, and I know it's extremely common, and by no means do I want to cause any feelings of shame. I personally value when I learn something that helps me change my behavior for the better, and so that's what my hope is with this podcast, is that it will serve as a source of learning and inspiration uh, for just that. So I think that this is something that is so common and is especially as our little one gets older and they're more experienced at eating, it's easy to not think much about uh, feeding them while they're in the car seat or stroller. But the concern here is that if your little one is facing away from you, especially say you're pushing them in the stroller uh, or you're driving and you're focused on the road, if they were to start choking Choking is silent. So we'll talk more about this in the next episode. Um, but choking is completely silent. You would not hear them. So if you're walking along and they're choking, you would have no idea that they're choking unless you're keeping an eye on them. And so while it might not be likely that they would choke, especially, you know, depending on the type of food that they're eating, this is just one way if you want to absolutely reduce the chances of your child choking, this is just something to consider. So again, like I said, I know it's probably controversial and I'm sure a lot of people do it and I don't at all mean to cause any feelings of shame or defensiveness. This is just something to be mindful of. And of course, if your little one is 
in the stroller and you're right there and you're sitting uh, watching them, then that's not an issue anymore. As far as eating in the car seat, the other reason is you really want to make sure that your child, your baby is sitting upright when they are eating. This just ensures that their body is in the proper position for safe swallowing. So depending on the car seat, especially if it's a bucket seat, They really are in that kind of laid back position and that's not ideal for eating safely. So that is tip number three. Tip number four, super simple, never leave your little one alone. And this really just comes down to if they were to choke and you're not there to intervene, obviously it could be a bad situation. Tip number five, don't let your little one eat while they're playing or running around. Again, like the car seat stroller one, I feel like this one is extremely common and therefore probably controversial. But the fact is when your little one is running around, they are distracted and they're not going to be eating mindfully. And not only am I all about mindful eating, but it can increase the risk for choking. I was actually at a birthday party not too long ago and one of the little girls who is about two or three. So you don't really think twice about your child eating at that age. And while she was running around and playing, she started choking. Fortunately, there were all the adults and we were right there. But just thinking about if, you know, she had snacks and she was not with an adult or none of us saw, potentially, again, a bad situation. So I know that one is hard, especially when it's a party and kids are just being kids and having fun. But I definitely think it's wise to make it a habit of only eating while at the table. And also, I just don't want food and crackers squished in my carpet in my couch. (laughs) So I'm all about having a clean house and also safe eating. And then just to add to that, it's not about necessarily eating, but I would strongly encourage you to not use stainless steel straws with your little one. I am all about stainless steel, especially when it comes to things like baby plates or water bottles, and I personally use it, but I now know two people who their child was drinking out of a stainless steel straw while they were walking, and they tripped, and the stainless steel straw perforated the palate of their mouth. And so obviously, as you can imagine, that was extremely painful, and the process of healing is just so hard on a little one. So I used to use stainless steel straws, but my Myself. I've like jammed them in my gums accidentally. So yes, stainless steel is extremely clean, non-toxic, but when it comes to straws for babies, I would absolutely avoid it and use silicone instead. All right. Tip number six, this one's kind of a goofy one. Check your little one's mouth for food at the end of each meal. And this is really, I would say more so when they're younger, but I didn't realize they're like little squirrels and they will store food in their mouth. (laughs) So I remember laying my son down after, uh, after breakfast and we had finished breakfast, we were playing, and then I laid him down to change his diaper and he had a stash of bacon parked in his cheek. Like he's just sucking on bacon while he's playing with his toys. So I didn't realize that this is actually common, especially among younger eaters. They'll kind of suck on the food or store it to kind of soften it so that they can uh, chew it and swallow it. So just something when they're a little bit younger, checking their mouth. Obviously, you don't have to, don't be shoving your finger in there, but just try to get a visual. And that's really just because then if they're running around playing, you know, they're not going to accidentally choke on it. Or if you are like us and you're laying him down or tickling him or doing whatever, you don't want to accidentally cause them to choke on food because you didn't realize that they had it in their mouth. 
All right. And the last tip, tip number seven, take a CPR class and encourage anyone who's caring for your little one to take a CPR class as well. This obviously is important regardless of your child's age. And while it doesn't necessarily reduce the risk for choking in the event that your little one were to choke, obviously you would want to know what to do and you would want whoever is caring for your child to know what to do. Our son now is almost two years old and we recently asked my in-laws who have been watching him since he was very, very little, if he were to choke, would they know what to do? And they weren't 100% sure. And so between my sister-in-law and us who come next year, we'll be sending four children to granny daycare. We realized that we probably should either have someone come to their house to do a CPR refresher or course with us in person or take a course online together. Which, as a side note, how many babies do you think is too many to send to granny daycare? (laughs) When do you think we'll get kicked out for having too many children? I'm thinking like if we each have three kids and we're sending six kids, they're probably going to start to ask us to slow things down. So anyways, I digress. I feel like taking a CPR class, while it is easy to put off, especially if you have to pay for it or it's easy to overlook, it really is important because obviously our little one's life could depend on it and you want to make sure, especially if you're sending your child to a family member or friend's home to be cared for, that they would know what to do in the event that your child is choking. So that wraps up the seven tips that can greatly reduce your child's risk for choking, whether or not you choose to do baby led weaning exclusively or a mix. Really, the important thing is that you wait until your child is ready, because that obviously is going to be important for making sure that they can eat safely and to take precautions when they do start eating to reduce their risk for choking. If you found these helpful and you want to learn more, make sure to check out the next episode because I will dive more into choking versus gagging foods to avoid when introducing solids and additional ways to reduce choking. Now, while I think it's important, of course, to serve foods safely, hence this episode, I I think it's just as important to provide foods that meet your little one's specific nutrient needs. And beyond that, foods that protect and defend your little one's health because nutrition during these first few years will affect their lifelong health. So if you're thinking, I agree, but I have no idea where to start, I created a free guide for you that outlines four elements to focus on if you want to nourish your little one in a protective way from the very start of weaning. And when I say protective, really all that means is foods that protect and defend their health and help them grow into their happiest, healthiest, strongest, and smartest self. So this is going to be for those who want to take a much more intentional approach to baby-led weaning. So if this sounds like something that you would love, click the link in the show notes to download your free copy. And if you're thinking, I just want to know what foods to introduce and when, just tell me, give me a list, tell me what to do. I actually just updated this guide to include some of the foods that I recommend starting between the ages of six months. So when you're just starting baby-led weaning, And even if your little one is beyond that mark, these foods are still going to be extremely nourishing and perfect for all ages. So you can print this guide out and stick it on your fridge for when you're exhausted and you don't have the brain power to figure out what foods to serve. You can just pick and choose and know that your little one is getting all the nutrients that their little body needs. 
And if you find it helpful and you love it, snap a picture, tag me on Instagram at Thriving Foundations and let me know if it was helpful because I really, truly hope it makes your life easier. It was something that I wish I had when we were starting Baby Led Weaning, which is what inspired me to create it. And that is actually one page taken straight from the full food introduction timeline that I have created in my online course that lists food suggestions for six to 24 months. So that is all for this episode. I hope you found value in it and learned something. All of the resources for this episode can be found in the show notes along with the link to download your free nourishment guide along with that six to eight month food introduction list. So until next time, remember it is so much easier to defend your child's health than it is to fight to get it back once lost. And mama, you have the power to do so through protective nourishment. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed this episode. For legal purposes, I just need to remind you that the information presented in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not meant to be used to diagnose or treat any medical condition or to replace the advice of a physician or medical practitioner. Please see your healthcare provider before starting any new health protocol. Some of the views and information shared in this podcast are not widely accepted by the medical community and may be considered complementary, functional, alternative, holistic, or integrative medicine and may not be endorsed by governmental institutions or align with governmental guidelines. You are encouraged to consult other sources to make independent judgments to determine what is best for your child.